Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Hi everyone, I am Martino, Vice President Strategy and Investor Relations, and I'd like to welcome you to our 2020 Full Year Results webcast, which today we're hosting out of West Africa. On the call, I am joined by Sebastian, Mark, and Patrick. We're also delighted to have our new CFO, Joanna Pearson, on the line for her first results call. Today's call will follow our usual format, but will also include the additional reflections of how we became a senior gold producer while trying to preempt your inevitable questions of what comes next. We'll try to be as quick as possible to leave time for questions at the end. Before we start, please note our usual disclaimer. And now I'll hand it over to, to Sebastian, our CEO, to walk you through our journey so far. Thank you, Martino, and hello, everyone. It is great to be speaking with you all again. We are very excited to start 2021 because it marks a new phase in our journey. I and most of my team joined in early 2016, and we viewed the first phase spanning 2016-2019. During this period, we were highly focused on organic growth, with the build in particular of ET and Hyundai, and a real push on our exploration efforts. In addition, we were focused on divesting lower quality assets. Last year, we were in cash harvest mode and sought to leverage the strong West African operating platform we built by consolidating Semaphore and Teranga, both of which offered strong industrial logic. We now have the portfolio we need to enter a new phase, which again will be focused on organic growth. The main difference between this phase and the first one is that previously we funded ourselves through debt. We are now at a stage where we can self-fund our growth through cash flows while also rewarding shareholders in the form of dividends and buybacks. Another way to express this new phase, M&A is clearly off the table as we have now the geographical diversification and the right portfolio of assets required to continue to unlock value for the foreseeable future. I'm proud of how far we have come in a very short period of time and I'd like to thank the Wool team for their hard work and perseverance in getting us here. Turning to slide 7, we are now one of the world's largest gold producers, and in fact, we are the largest gold producer in West Africa, which is the world's second largest gold producing region. I'm confident that this will be a significant competitive advantage going forward. As you know, my motto has been since day one, highly focused geographically in this highly prospective region and at the same time diversified over multiple assets and countries. As you can see from the graphs on the right here, we are one of the top gold producers globally with 1.4 to 1.5 million ounces of production targeted this year. We are also positioned very well in terms of all-in sustaining cost with guidance below $900 per ounce and also in terms of free cash or yield as you can see here in the bottom left graph. And finally, we recently paid our first dividend, which corresponds to a yield of approximately 1.8% at current share prices, which we aim to increase going forward. 
We are also seeking to supplement our dividend with the implementation of a buyback program as part of our continued focus on returns to shareholders. Turning now to slide 8, I'm sure that you all recognize this chart, which graphically illustrates our portfolio priorities. As I mentioned earlier, we are very happy with the portfolio we have assembled, and we've been focused on getting assets into the bottom right box, which is characterized by long mine lives and low cost. Assets that don't fit the criteria have been divested, as shown with the white circles. We now seek to continue to aggressively explore with a strong focus on the newly acquired asset to extend their mine lives to beyond 10 years. Moving to slide 9, you can see how this repositioning of our portfolio translates. We now have strengths across asset life cycles. We have a strong portfolio of producing assets with and country diversification which generates sufficient cash flows to both reward shareholders and fund our development and exploration activities. We have a number of exciting near-term growth projects and one of the highest quality greenfield exploration portfolio, which ensures both near-term and long-term growth. This is why I mentioned earlier that I'm very happy with the portfolio we have assembled and have no more the need for M&A. Turning to slide 10, as we enter a new phase for our business and grow in stature, we will be even more guided by our responsibilities. We are busy working on a number of ESG initiatives, which we hope to announce during the next couple of quarters, including renewable energy opportunities, carbon emission reduction targets, and biodiversity plans. This forms part of our implementation of the World Gold Council's Responsible Gold Mining Principles, which this year we will also be growing alongside with the TCFD and SASB reporting frameworks. We very much see our work as a partnership with our host country and local communities and will continue to ensure our activities support socio-economic development through initiatives like EcoDev. We see a real opportunity to grow EcoDev as an impactful investing model. Let me just give you a quick example of one of our EcoDev investments the Mali Shi processing plant in Mali, which was commissioned last week. Mali is the world's second largest producer of Shinot and accounts for approximately 20% of the global market. And yet, Mali didn't have an industrial processing plant until Ecodev and a consortium of other investors funded Mali Shi. This plant has now created 128 direct jobs, supports over 21,000 female Shinot growers, and aims to benefit more than 120,000 women from around Mali. More importantly, it now enables Mali to progress along the value chain and become a manufacturer rather than just a supplier of raw nuts. We choose this investment as a game-changing investment on the value chain of the Shinat. Kalana in Mali is a big region of Shinat. By funding this industrial facility, we ensure that the women of the Kalana region will have a proper buyer of what they grow at the right price. This is a tangible example of how we are able to live our purpose, to produce gold in a way that provides lasting value to society. And turning now to slide 11, this translates into a new vision for the company, which is to be a best-in-class gold producer, and our objective is to create a resilient business to reward our shareholders and to be a trusted partner in the communities where we operate. 
To ensure our business is resilient, we are continuing to focus on driving strong cash flow generation while advancing our attractive projects and exploration and continuing to divest lower quality assets. For shareholders, we will sustain a healthy dividend yield, implement a share buyback program and obtain a premium London listing, which we anticipate will lead to further demand for new investors. And for our partners, we will increase the proportion of nationals in leadership roles, enhance our climate and biodiversity strategies, and accelerate socio-economic development programs. This element is core to our purpose and our license to operate. Turning to slide 12, as I mentioned earlier, we're extremely excited about 2021 because it marks a new phase in our journey in which we will be focused on building and maintaining trusted partnerships with all our stakeholders, enhancing our resilient and sustainable business and rewarding new and existing shareholders. During 2021, now that we have integrated both the Semaphore and Teranga assets, we intend to define a climate change strategy for the expanded group and incorporate climate targets into our business. We remain focused on reducing our emissions across the group and are currently exploring several options to incorporate solar projects into our Hunde mine and our Fedecro development project, among others. Having successfully extended the mine lives to plus 10 years at two of our flagship assets, Hunde and ET, last year, onboarding the Semaphore and Teranga assets and divesting the non-core Agbao mine, we are now focused on organically advancing projects within our project pipeline. With that in mind, this year we focused on completing the Phase 1 expansions at the Sabadola Masawa mine, while simultaneously completing the DFS on the Phase 2 expansion. We will also be advancing the Fedecro and Kalana definitive feasibility studies to completion in Q421 and Q122 respectively. Exploration is an area where we have been very successful over the last four years, thanks to Patrick on the call and its team and we remain on track to meet our five-year exploration target this year. Owing to our renewed focus on organic growth and our expanded portfolio, we've increased our exploration budget this year to focus our exploration efforts on the newly acquired assets and on promising greenfield prospects. In order to continue rewarding our existing shareholders and attracting new ones, we will follow up on our maiden dividend of $60 million that was paid on February 5th with the implementation of a share buyback program to be executed over the next 12 months. We believe this is an opportune time to initiate the program, having just completed the Teranga transaction, ahead of our proposed London listing, and we will look to build in dividends and buyback into our longer-term capital allocation framework. Turning to slide 13, before we move on to the second section and our results in more detail, we wanted to provide an update on our plans for a premium listing on the London Stock Exchange, which remains on track for June as we seek to broaden our appeal to a wider group of potential investors. We believe we have a strong proposition for investors in London, and as you can see with the left-hand chart here, we have the potential to be the largest pure gold-producing company on that market. We're targeting FTSE index inclusion and expect significant indexation demand on the back of this. Moving now to section two to discuss our record fourth quarter and full year results. Starting with safety on slide 15, which is of the utmost importance to us, 
We continue to be well below the industry average. However, the three lost time injuries over the past 12 months are a reminder that we can never become complacent. I would like to take this opportunity to congratulate the Hyundai team, which achieved 20 million hours lost time free, and Agba, which reached 10 million hours lost time free. This is a great effort by the teams on site, one we hope to improve upon going forward. On this next page, you can see our annual production trend. While the slide is a bit busy, I'd like to focus your attention on two key messages. The first point to note on this page is the bars in blue, which represent production from continuing operations, compared to those shaded, which represent discontinued operations. This clearly shows today we have a completely different portfolio to the one we started with when I joined in 2016, as we have executed on organic growth, disposals of non-core assets, and strategic acquisitions. Given these changes, we now expect to produce up to 1.5 million ounces in 2021. Second, as shown with the reference points in brackets, we have consistently met our guidance over the past eight years. And 2020 was no different. We are extremely pleased to have met the top end of our production guidance, despite the challenges COVID has posed to the industry, our staff, and our host countries. I think we've been very fortunate to date as a business, we haven't had to suspend any of our operations and our supply chain hasn't been negatively impacted either, thanks largely due to our decision to refocus our procurement to the West African region back in 2019. Most importantly, however, we have not lost any employees to COVID and through the strict measures we put in place early on. We've been able to contain it and keep our employees safe. Having said that, from a well-being perspective, I think all our staff have had moments when the lockdown has been tough and it's important that we recognize this and we've put in place various programs to help them. Increasingly, as an industry, we are mindful that zero arm isn't enough and just focused on safety at the mine sites, but also means taking care of our employees' mental health too, which is why I'm particularly impressed with the team and the commitment they have shown to Endeavor and would like to thank them sincerely for their tremendous work over this exceptional year by all means. As you can see on slide 17, we are equally proud to have met our all-in sustaining cost guidance for the last eight years. In 2020, we reached the middle range of our guidance despite the cost inflation seen with higher royalties, which is of course linked to the gold price. For 2021, costs are expected to come down to stand at below $900 per ounce. Moving to slide 18, you can see the trend of our all-in margin since 2014. More recently, our margin has increased by two and a half times in 2020 compared to 19. In 20, the second half showed significantly stronger performance than the first half due to increased production, which I'll further explain on the next slide. We've also been able to take advantage of the higher gold price environment following the expiry of the gold color program at the end of June, which saw nearly half of our production capped at $1,500 per ounce. Moving to a quarterly results on slide 19, you can see that we had a strong increase in our operating performance in the latter half of 20, as we integrated MANA and Bungu, and ramped up production at Hyundai with the addition of carry pump. Our production in Q4 increased by more than 100,000 ounces compared to Q3 to reach a record level while all-in sustaining costs saw a sharp decrease. 
On slide 20, you can see how the operating performance translated into strong financial performance. Q4 saw our sustaining margins increase by 28% compared with Q3. This represents nearly the same as what we achieved in Q2 and Q3 combined. Moving a step further, you can see how these improvements translated to strong operating cash flow, especially in the second half of the year. Our Q4 operating cash flow before changes in working capital increased by 238 million or 326% compared to the same quarter in the prior year. On slide 22, you can see the evolution of our cash flow per share over the last four quarter, five quarters, hitting a new record in the fourth quarter. This is arguably one of the most important metrics given that the nominal cash flow is up in part due to the semaphore acquisition. As you can see, we were keenly focused on transactions that were accretive and we believe that looking at gross per share is key to generating attractive returns for shareholders. Remaining on the same subject of per share metrics, you can see on this next page that the adjusted EPS followed a similar trend, also hitting a record in Q4. When looking back to 12 months ago, our EPS has more than tripled. Another metric we track is our return on capital employed. And you see on page 24 that is quickly approaching our 20% target. On page 25, we dive into a bit more detail on the buildup to our return on capital employed. It's important to note that our current 20% return on capital employed is being impacted by projects and exploration assets, which represent nearly a quarter of our capital employed. Given that our projects have high IRRs, this capital employed is expected to yield benefits in the medium to long term. On the right of the page, you can see the returns by assets. Both assets that we recently built, Ichi and Hyundai, are showing significant returns. MANA is also healthy at over 20%, and we expect Bungu to increase next year, given the recent restart of mining operations. Kama has been waiting on the group metric, and as such, we have flagged that it has become non-core. I'll now hand it over to Joanna to run you through our net free cash flow buildup and balance sheets. Thanks, Seb. On this page, we start with the all-in margin, as Seb noted earlier, and work our way down to the free cash flow and cash inflow for the periods. Looking at the full-year numbers, we generated an all-in margin of $642 million, which in turn resulted in a free cash flow of $476 million, which is a 12-fold increase over what was generated in 2019. Highlighting several of the more important line items which account for this increase, we note that we had significantly less growth capex, which is due to the IDECIL build being finalized in early 2019. You also see that we had a working capital inflow. This is mainly due to increased trade and other payables due to the inclusion of MANA and Bungu for the second half of the year, and a decrease in inventories due to the reduction of Golden Circuit in, at Karma, and the decrease in inventories at MANA and Bungu in the second half of the year. The increase was partially offset by a decrease in non-cash adjustments related to depreciation of the fair value adjustments on the PPA, following the acquisition of the SEMAFO assets. Tax payments increased due to higher taxes at AGBAO, which also had a withholding tax on dividends in the year, and at IDI to do its production startup, while lower taxes were paid at Hyundai since last year was impacted by installment payments for forward-looking periods. The other operating cash flows include the realized loss on the gold collars and an inflows related to short-term forward sales. 
During the year, we also had acquisition costs from the Semifo and Taranga acquisitions, and we received cash proceeds from a mining contractor for previously capitalized plant expenditures at Karma. Cash flows generated from investing activities significantly increased for the year, largely due to the significant cash that was acquired through the Semifo transaction, as well as the proceeds from the sale of mining equipment. Cash flows used in financing activities decreased significantly during the year due to repayments of debt that was acquired in the SEMIFO transaction, as well as the repayment of the revolving credit facility, which was drawn in the year. We also repaid the remaining outstanding finance, financing obligations in Q4, reducing that value to nil at December 31st. Overall, this has resulted in a cash inflow of $525 million for the year. Thank you, Ajana. What I find interesting is that we get a free cash flow yield of circa 20% if you divide the 476 million of free cash flow by the average weighted shares outstanding for the year and today's share price. This broadly matches the consensus free cash flow yield for 2021. Yes, that's correct, Sebastian. Now, looking at slide 27, we take a closer look at our cash position buildup based on the free cash flow statement line items. We achieved a net cash position of 75 million at the end of 2020, a net debt improvement of more than 600 million compared with our 2019 year end. Cash from operating activities was nearly 750 million in 2020, an increase of 450 million from last year. We invested a total of 160 million into the company's operations and had a cash flow outflow of 71 million for financing activities. At year end, we had a large cash, cash position of 750 million, some of which was then used to refinancing the more expensive Taranga debt following the transaction close in the first quarter and to pay our first dividend. Martino, slide 28, please. You can see our, how our balance sheet improved progressively since mid-2019. We hit peak net debt of $660 million following the completion of the ITI build in Q2 2019, and in the short period of time since then, we have achieved a net cash position of $75 million. This, of course, does not yet include the balance sheet of Taranga. I'm pleased to see that we went from a leverage ratio of nearly three times net debt to EBITDA and are now in a very strong financial position. I'll now hand it back to Sebastian. Thank you, Joanna. The continued improvement in our financial position has allowed us to take further steps to enhance returns for shareholders, as shown on slide 29. We announced a sustainable dividend of approximately 0.37 per share. This was paid in February. Following the payment of this first dividend, we expect to declare future dividends on a semi-annual basis with the goal of maintaining similar payments until we have reached our targeted net cash position of $250 million. I believe that it is important to build this strong balance sheet buffer to be able to continue to pay a dividend during cycles. Once we have reached this net cash position, which may be quickly based on current gold prices and the cash flow we are generating, we would be well positioned to increase the dividend. In order to supplement our shareholder return program, we announced today that we also intend to implement a buyback program. At current prices, we believe that such purchases will be value accretive to our shareholders on the EPS, cash flow per share, and NAV basis. Moreover, buybacks can represent an effective use of our capital and can deliver enhanced returns compared to other uses of capital on a risk-adjusted basis, especially at our current share price. Through the buyback program, we can purchase up to 5% of issued and outstanding shares on market over the next 12 months. To facilitate this, we've entered into an automatic share purchase program with a Canadian broker. What I like about the business and portfolio we've built is that we can now generate enough cash to have shareholder returns 
while also being able to reinvest into the business in projects and exploration. It's not one or the other. I believe that we have one of the most attractive pipelines of projects, which position us well to keep growing. The most attractive is the Sabadola Masawa expansion, which was commenced, and we are currently working on phase one. Looking ahead, you might have seen the PFS results for both Fedecro and Kalana, which were published two weeks ago. Both are showing plus 10 years of mine potential, attractive returns, and lower in sustaining costs. Fedecro in particular is showing potential for over 200,000 ounces per year, while Kalana is showing 150,000 ounces per year potential. Beyond return on capital employed, we are focused on showing returns across the business. And these are two good examples. We invested roughly 20 million in exploration at Fedecro, and it is already showing NPVs of over half a billion at a gold price of 1,500. While Kalana was bought for roughly 120 million, and it is now showing an NPV of over 300 million. We believe that this is just the beginning. I would like to point out that the Fedecro PFS already looks a lot better than the ET and Hyundai DFS, where we then continue to add answers. At Fedecro, the study is based on only one deposit, while we have identified over a dozen other nearby targets. Given the potential of both assets, we are now progressing on their DFS. The goal for this year is to focus on cash flow, build up the balance sheet, and return capital to shareholders. In the meantime, we are building optionality in the portfolio with these project studies. Lastly, I want to point out the low capex intensity of our projects compared to the free cash flow that the group is generating. A new green free project has a capex of roughly 300-350 million, spread over 18 months. This represents just a few quarters of net free cash flow that the group is generating based on gold price, particular current gold price. Looking now at exploration on page 31, you can see how our program has progressed since we laid out our five-year exploration target in the second half of 16. We have consistently added to our resource inventory at the drill bit with another 2.2 million ounces added in 2020, excluding any acquired assets. And interesting as well to note that these ounces were found at less than $15 per ounce. Turning to slide 32, you can see how our pro forma reserves and resources have evolved during 2020, largely due to the acquisition of Semaphore and Taranga. On the reserve side, we saw an organic addition at Hyundai, plus the inaugural reserves at Fedecro following completion of the PFS. Doing the same analysis on our resources, we can again see an increase in resources at Hyundai and Fedecro, while mine depletion explains the reduction at other mines. With the acquired assets, we again approximately doubled our resource endowment from the start of last year. I'll now turn it to Patrick to walk you through the exploration program in more detail, and then Mark to run you through the operations. Thank you, Sebastian. Uh, hello, everyone on the call. Uh, as you can see on uh, this slide, we are increasing again the overall exploration budget from 65 million in 2020 to 70 to 90 million uh, dollars in uh, 2021. This is uh, uh, really an important challenge involving all, all of my teams. And I take the opportunity to thank the HR function and support led by Henri Dejoux for their strong commitment to help us in addressing it. Over the last 
four years, we have been spending in average roughly between 12 to 15 million per year on each ET and Hyundai. Now that we have reached our main objective of locking in at least 10 years of production at close to uh, 250,000 ounces per year, we can reduce the spend to roughly 8 million on each of them and to reallocate some of these budgets to the newly acquired mines with a goal indeed to of replicating exactly our success there. You see in the, the bottom part pie chart that the largest focus outside of Greenfield, which remain important, will be on Sabodala, Masawa and Wanyon, when the rest of is evenly spread across other mines. We see overall significant exploration potential within our whole exploration portfolio, and we are really excited to publish an update five years exploration strategy later on this year. And now, Mark, over to you. Thank you, Patrick, and hello to everyone. I trust that you're keeping safe and well and clocking up plenty of virtual Peloton miles. Starting on slide 35, our production bridge illustrates the performance for the full year for the Proforma 2020 business. Hyundai, Iti and Karma all showed improvements in production year on year, while Agbao, which we recently sold, declined. In addition, we added the Mana and Bulgu assets in the second half of the year, which were strong contributors to our business. We saw good all-in sustaining cost performance, particularly from Hyundai, which was aided by higher grade oil from Carry Pump, and Bungu, which reverted from processing of stockpiles to high grade open pit feed by the end of the year. Moving to slide 36, I'll start the review of our individual mining operations with Hyundai. As you can see on the chart, production increased significantly in quarter four as we benefited from higher grades driven by the oxide oil coming from Carry Pump, where mining began in the second half of last year. Credit goes to the team on site for establishing this pit and ramping up production so rapidly. All in sustaining costs decreased quarter on quarter, mainly due to the significant reduction in the strip ratio, which more than offset higher unit costs and sustaining capital. Strong production and all in sustaining costs for the quarter topped off a very strong year at Hyundai. Looking ahead to 2021, we expect performance to be broadly similar. The first half of the year we'll see ore from the higher grade carry pump pit blended with ore from Bore and Vindaloo Centre. During this period, mining at Vindaloo Main will focus on waste stripping. In the second half of the year, we expect to commence mining at Carry West, which will contribute to higher process grades. Turning now to ITI on slide 37, you can see that production has increased between quarter three and quarter four driven by increased processing volumes and higher grade contribution from stage two of the back two pit. Increased mining and processing volumes and a higher amount of fresh rock mined and processed, along with increased cyanide consumption due to the back of two ore, resulted in higher mining and processing costs for the period. All in sustaining costs for the quarter was adversely affected by one-off accounting adjustments from prior periods, resulting in an increase of approximately $195 per ounce. Other important activities at ITI, which commenced in quarter four, included the third raise of the TSF, compensation at Fleur for the Leplac deposit and construction of the all-weather hall road, and a Cavalli River diversion to enable the next cutback for the Collinswood pit. 
Reviewing ITI's 2020 performance, you can see that production benefited from a full year of operation from the ITI CIL plant, compared to only three quarters in 2019. Looking ahead, we're expecting strong performance from ITI in 2021, with higher production guidance at slightly higher all-in sustaining costs than in 2020. Moving to Bungu in Burkina Faso on slide 38. Open pit mining was successfully restarted in October, resulting in a strong fourth quarter. We saw a significant production increase thanks to the very high-grade ore available on restart, which resulted in decreased all-in sustaining costs. Looking ahead to 2021, we expect production at Bungu at slightly higher all-in sustaining costs due to the strip ratio increasing significantly in the west pit to around the life of mine average for the deposit. Production will continue to ramp up in early 2021 following the commissioning of two large excavators and additional production drills which will result in a high strip ratio in the first half of the year. A TSF raise is also planned and under construction. Moving on to slide 39 and manor, quarter four production increased slightly due to the greater plant throughput which was offset by small declines in recovery rates and grades due to the completion of the higher grade CU open pit and greater reliance on feed from the lower recovery Wona pit. In terms of all in sustaining costs, we saw a decrease as a result of lower open pit mining unit costs and lower sustaining capital spend. Looking at 2021, we expect a decrease in production for the full year following the completion of mining at CU pit last year and Wona North stage pit early this year which will be offset by lower grades from Wona South Stage 2. Underground total ore extraction is likely to remain fairly constant throughout the year, with the proportion coming from higher grade stokes increasing steadily and proportionate reduction in lower grade development ore as the year progresses. Turning now to Karma on slide 40, production in quarter 4 increased from the previous quarter following the end of the rainy season and increased stacking capability though grades and recovery rates remain flat. In terms of all in sustaining costs, these increased due to higher royalties, mining unit costs and inventory adjustments, partially offset by an increase in sales and lower processing and GNA unit costs. Full year production from Karma remained flat as higher stack tonnage was offset by lower grades and gold recovery rate. All in sustaining costs increased due to slightly higher mining unit costs following the changeover to contract mining and increased agglomeration costs on account of the recovery characteristics of the GG1 ore. Looking ahead to 2021, we expect to focus mining activity at the Cow North and GG1 pits where the overall strip ratio is anticipated to increase slightly compared to last year. There will be less ore available for the heat leach compared to the capacity of the stacker system and a fourth excavator and additional trucks will be mobilised to Karma in half one in order to increase overall ore production which will improve slightly in the second half of the year. Turning to slide 41 and the Sabadala Masawa mine. I've been able to visit site on three occasions now over the past six months and have been very impressed with both the calibre of the team and quality of the operation. Since the acquisition of Masawa, activity has rapidly moved in that direction, with the construction of a 30 kilometre haul road and commencement of mining of the higher grade Sophia pits. 
All mined is expected to be higher than in 2020 due to the transition of mining from the Sabadala lease to the Sophia Main and North Pits on the Masawa mining permit. Plant throughput and recovery rates are expected to decrease slightly due to an increased proportion of fresh ore from the Sophia Pits. Mill feed will be comprised of approximately 30% oxide and 70% fresh material. The head grade is expected to increase in half two this year with higher grades mined at the Sophia Pits. A TSF raise will be completed along with ongoing mining fleet replacement and rebuilds and continued establishment of infrastructure at Masawa. The processing plant upgrades will be outlined in the following two slides. Moving to slide 42, we are now embarking on a first phase of upgrades to the processing plant which will be focused on debottlenecking the back end to increase the capacity to process the higher grade free milling Masawa ore. As part of this, and going through each of the numbered points in order, we are planning to add another electro winning cell to the gold room, larger carbon regeneration kiln to increase regeneration capacity, additional acid wash and elucin columns to increase the total average capacity to 13 tonnes per day, an additional leach tank to increase the leaching and CIL residence time to 32 hours, and a gravity circuit to reduce the load on the downstream CIL circuit. We're also planning to convert one existing leach tank into a CIL tank to increase capacity. Procurement is largely complete with some packages already delivered to site. The civil engineering contractor has also mobilised and already commenced pouring concrete. Moving to slide 43, we provide some insights into phase two during which we plan to add an additional processing circuit for the high grade refractory ore from the Masawa deposits. The DFS for this second phase is already underway with a focus on a number of optimisation opportunities and we expect this will be completed in quarter four of this year. Turning now to slide 44 and an update at, on Wanyon. Similar to Sabadala, I've had three visits to Wanyon which has ramped up production very quickly to well above nameplate. A number of the team were transferred from Sabadala bringing the good systems and work practices with them thereby enabling a very neat and organised operation to be established. We believe that the region is still largely underexplored with potential to further optimise the mining plan. A whole road was established to the Fakura satellite pits in quarter four 2020, along with the commencement of the resettlement plan. This will enable contract mining from there in parallel with owner mining from the Nogbele pit in 2021. For 2021, we expect the mine to produce between 100 and 100, sorry, 140 and 155,000 ounces for the period of Endeavour ownership, as plant throughput and gold recovery rates are expected to decrease slightly due to the greater volumes of fresh ore. Construction of the second cell for the TSF will also commence in 2021. And I'll hand back to Sebastian now. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. In conclusion, I'd like to acknowledge our strong performance over recent years during which we have consistently met our exceeded both production and audience sustaining cost guidance. We are very pleased with both the portfolio we've built and our financial strengths, which now position us to enter a new phase in the Endeavour story focused on shareholder returns. Moving to slide 47, we are very excited about 21 as we have many upcoming catalysts 
We are excited to show the Q1 metrics, inclusive of the Teranga assets, for the first time. And I'd like again to uh, welcome uh, all the Teranga team that has joined Endeavor. In addition, we expect a steady stream of positive updates regarding our projects and exploration activities. On the corporate side, we will be hosting our Capital Markets Day in late Q2, ahead of our premium listing on the London Stock Exchange. I believe that we have an appealing investment proposition with strong cash flow and both near-term and long-term growth, in addition to an attractive valuation, healthy balance sheet, and strong shareholder return focus. I'd like to thank our shareholders who have supported us during our evolution, and we look forward to rewarding them. With that, I'd like to thank you all for dialing in and open the line up to questions and congratulate Joanna, our CFO, and the finance team for closing her first Endeavor year-end results smoothly despite our two major acquisitions. Thank you very much. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We will now begin the question and answer session. As a reminder, if you wish to ask a question, please press star and one on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A queue. This will only take a few moments. If you wish to cancel your request, please press the hash key. Once again, please press star and one if you wish to ask a question. As a reminder to ask a question at this time, please press star and one. And your first question comes from the line of Ovi Sabib from Scotia Bank. Please go ahead, your line is open. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Thanks, Operator. Uh, congratulations, Sebastian and uh, Endeavor team for a good quarter and, uh, and year. Uh, and thanks for taking my questions. Um, Sebastian, uh, my first question on uh, is on uh, the Taranga assets. Um, can you give us a little bit more color on how the integration is going with the, those assets, uh, especially Sadadala Masawa? Um, and then uh, I'll just uh, ask uh, more questions on, uh, maybe move on to Burkina for that. Sure. Uh, thank you, Vahid. Uh, well, I must say that uh, the integration is going extremely well and has been uh, smooth. Um, thanks. Uh, I'd like to say it, I mean, to the uh, um, strong support from uh, the um, executive team of Teranga, which has supported us, I mean, throughout between announcement to, uh, to closing. Um, I think that I said, you know, several times that uh, we have a very similar culture in terms of operating model with Teranga and uh, with a decentralized model uh, where the GMs, you know, at MindSight have uh, the right competences, the right support to operate, uh, and therefore we've been extremely, um, extremely happy uh, with the, uh, the two operations that uh, uh, we acquired. Uh, 
Um, you know, we currently have the two GMs which are, you know, in place and happy with uh, them and their team. Uh, so I must say that uh, it's been a, a very smooth uh, integration so far. Uh, our team has been uh, progressively on the project side, uh, uh, taking over um, the uh, uh, Sabadola Masawa extension, uh, in particular on phase one, where we have a construction team, which is a project team, which is on site uh, to start the phase one expansion. And, um, and our team will be uh, also taking over progressively on the studies for the DFS uh, for the phase two. So um, again, extremely, uh, extremely pleased by uh, uh, by the integration and, uh, and also the quality of the, uh, of the people at, uh, at both Wagnon, Sabodola, uh, and also in Dakar, with, um, as is the, uh, the country manager and his team. And, and, and any comments on, um, you know, how the community as well as the government is kind of, you know, accepting you in, in, into the countries, especially uh, Senegal? No, I think that, uh, you know, we had, um, uh, you know, as you know, I go very often to West Africa, so uh, I did come to, uh, to Senegal um, the week before uh, the closing, uh, and uh, uh, I was able to meet in Dakar the Minister of Mine, the President uh, of, uh, of Senegal, and also uh, I, do, I did spend a lot of time with the uh, local governor uh, around the uh, Sabadola Masawa uh, Sawa Mine, and also the, uh, the local chiefs. Um, they were extremely, uh, you know, supportive. Uh, what was, I think, very important is to reassure them that, uh, you know, Endeavour is not going to suddenly uh, change, you know, the, uh, the full framework that has been put in place because uh, I have to say that the relationship on the ground has been extremely good uh, between uh, the uh, Sabadola Masawa team and, um, and the different stakeholders. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're not, uh, we're there, I mean, to continue to, uh, you know, to maintain these uh, this strong relationships. Uh, thanks for that. And, and just my next question is on, you know, just moving to Burkina Faso. In, in terms of Bongo, any um, updates uh, you can provide in terms of the government participation on the security side on the road to Bongo? Well, as you know, we, um, uh, we try not to, uh, you know, uh, describe uh, too uh, openly, I mean, the security protocols that, uh, that we have in place. Um, but um, if you recall, you know, I really said that in order to be able to restart mining at Bungu, uh, we had several key criteria, which uh, obviously are now in place. Otherwise, I wouldn't have authorized uh, the restart of the, uh, of the mining at Bungu. The first one was a framework agreement with, uh, with the government, ensuring that we would have uh, the right support uh, from uh, the army, police, and gendarmerie uh, in securing uh, some logistic corridors and also security around the mine site. Uh, the second one was to ensure that um, we would have uh, an airstrip up and running so that we were able to fly in and out 100% of our staff uh, from, uh, uh, from the country to, uh, to site, which is the case today. 100% of our staff are flying in and out. Uh, and the third one was to be able to uh, bring a credible mining contractor, which we did with uh, SFTP. Uh, we took over you know, in the beginning of Q4. So, um, uh, again, uh, you know, happy the way you know, things have been uh, uh, progressing at, uh, at Bungu, and you saw the, uh, you know, the strong results that we got from Bungu in, uh, in Q4 uh, that impacted uh, you know, very positively uh, our year-end results. Perfect. Thanks for that, uh, Sebastian. And then just moving on to your organic pipeline, um, clearly feels like Petrico is Endeavor's next development project as it already kind of fits in your uh, magic box. Um, feasibility study is expected by the end of the year, but is there anything you guys are waiting to see over the next nine months 
uh, that's you know going to be on in terms of exploration upside or or any kind of you know scope of the project. Uh, any also any color that you can provide on permitting there as well. No, exactly. I think that um, uh, clearly on the study side, the objective is um, to come up with a DFS by year end. Um, Patrick's team on the exploration side have been doing, uh, you know, further uh, drilling campaigns since, um, you know, end of Q4 and since the beginning of the year. So we hope that we'll be able to integrate some of those results that we would be expecting in, in June uh, into the DFS, which would allow to continue to improve uh, the, uh, the quality of the projects from PFS to DFS. So that would be the expectations. And on the permitting side, uh, uh, you know, I'm currently in, in Ivory Coast in Côte d'Ivoire, and, uh, and the objective is to, uh, uh, we're expecting, I mean, uh, to be um, uh, granted uh, the mining permit for uh, Fedecro over the next, uh, the next few weeks. Uh, so this will be a big, uh, a big milestone step uh, as, uh, as this should happen over the next, uh, the next few weeks. So uh, extremely happy how things are progressing there. As you said, I think that, uh, you know, Fedecro is, uh, is starting to be uh, what I would call an endeavor type project, uh, which means uh, over uh, 200,000 ounces uh, annual production for, you know, 10 years plus and with low lean sustaining cost that should be getting us, you know, with strong uh, IRs in terms of uh, returns. So, um, yeah, very happy with uh, the way this has been developed. I mentioned in my presentation uh, you know, we spent so far $20 million on this project and, uh, and we have above, you know, half a billion dollars of uh, NPV uh, on, uh, on this project at 1500 uh, So this is, you know, demonstrating, you know, how robust uh, our exploration team, you know, can be in discovering, you know, strong assets. Perfect, uh, Sebastian. That's uh, it from me and uh, congrats again on a good quarter and a great year. Thank you very much, Avais. Yeah, our next question comes from the line of Don and T. Marco from National Bank Finance. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Oh, hi. Thank you, operator, um, and congratulations to the team. Um, I guess my first question is uh, you have this EFEMA uh, initial resource pending, and I remember that the Taranga geologists were really excited about EFEMA. Uh, and I'm also looking at your, your budget for exploration in 2020. We got 30% allocated for greenfield projects. Can, can you share what we can expect for the maiden resource and, and whether it's going to be a focused target for your greenfield exploration program in 21? Sure, thank you, Don. Um, maybe Patrick, I mean, is on the line, so can give a bit of color on, uh, on a FEMA. Uh, as we pointed out, I mean, the objective is uh, to have some uh, initial resources, you know, to come out in the, uh, in the coming few weeks uh, based on the latest uh, uh, drilling campaign. Um, as you said, it's something that the uh, Taranga team has been very excited about. Um, you know, we tend to be, uh, I would say, you know, cautious simply because we want to see more, you know, drilling results uh, in order to be able to assess, uh, you know, the size of this uh, of this target. Uh, but uh, but it is extremely encouraging, and uh, and we'll obviously uh, spend some money uh, in 2021 on, uh, on on continuing to drill at Afima. Uh, Patrick, do you want to comment further on AFIMA? Uh, yes. Uh, well, actually, uh, the exploration program on AFIMA has been going on uh, quite uh, strongly uh, in, uh, since, uh, actually, the uh, December. Uh, so, uh, right now, we are, expect we are receiving a lot of data and so on, so we'll take some, uh, some time to analyze all this and so on. Uh, 
I don't know exactly how much we'll be spending on AFIMA this year, but uh, probably we'll be spending uh, around $8 million or a little bit, maybe a little bit more. As part as the resource, uh, the resource will come uh, whenever they will come because we'll need to do some, probably some additional infield drilling or reconnaissance and so on. But for us, you know, at Endeavor, AFIMA is one attractive project like another one. We still have a lot of things to do and we are doing it on, on FETECRO. We have been starting again working on another greenfield uh, cluster of license that we consolidated in the past named Tanda Igela. And uh, we are also going to start drilling uh, in Guinea where we have uh, five exploration license we like a lot. Uh, just nearby Anglo at Sigiri. So you see, uh, yes, we have a significant effort uh, of greenfield uh, this year. AFIMA is one of them, and we, we target, hopefully, to publish uh, uh, the first uh, updated resource on AFIMA sometime uh, within the second part of the semester. I cannot give you exactly uh, the time right now, but for sure it's uh, one of the subjects that will be addressed this year. Okay, thanks. Appreciate that, Patrick and Sebastian. Um, looking at the uh, the year-end reserve statement, I see that at Sabadala, um, the reserves were basically kind of flat year over year, which implies that uh, despite depletion of over 250,000 ounces, you managed to kind of maintain the level of reserves. Um, so what, what drove this? Was it exploration success or was the cutoff grade changed? And maybe if you could comment on, on some of the um, your expectations for exploration at Zabadala in the year ahead. So maybe, Mark, I mean, do you want to comment on the reserves and then Patrick give a few ideas on, on the exploration side? Look, I guess, you know, when it comes to um, the reserves at Zabadala, um, we are still doing a lot more drilling there. So, you know, the, it was a just a slight reduction um, and we do expect that we'll be able to um, sort of offset a lot of that through the drilling programs that we've got uh, coming this year. Patrick, on the, uh, on the exploration? Uh, yes, uh, again on the exploration, um, what I can say that between uh, Sabodala and Masawa uh, for us, uh, uh, we are not going to spend a lot of money in exploration on Sabodala uh, asset itself because it has been uh, the subject of quite a lot of exploration in the past. On the contrary, we do believe that there is a, still a significant upside on Masawa, and that's where we are going probably to spend the big majority of the $13 million that uh, we plan to spend on uh, Masawa, uh, Sabodala area. Uh, with different uh, type of target. The main one for us and for me, which is very important, is to try to address uh, as uh, many good quality oxide targets to try to fuel a little bit, uh, I would say, uh, the um, um, facility expansion on that is encompassed on, on phase one, and also to give some breath to the time of decision making, whether or not to uh, how we want to proceed in the refractory stuff. So this is going to be a first uh, year, very important, and that's why we want to be very aggressive on Masawa itself. Okay, great. And, and uh, maybe, maybe, maybe just... Maybe one point, one point on to your, um, uh, to your specific questions on not seeing, I would say, the, um, the reserve going down despite the depletion. 
technically, um, we've redone the Sabadola Masawa Reserve at 1300 gold price, while Teranga used to done it at 1200. Uh, and this is to have all our operating assets done at the same level. So, um, you know, part of okay. the, this flat, flat slight increase uh, is due to this uh, 1200, 1300 change to be aligned with all the other operating assets we have. Okay, great. And um, thank you for that. Maybe my final question then is, um, well, M&A has been uh, a common theme uh, throughout 2020, uh, even prior to that with the bid for sentiment. But your messaging recently has been um, more about you're done with M&A. Is, is, that, uh, is that the case? Uh, and is, are you done with M&A just through the LSE listing or inclusion into the index process? Or, or, or what, what is your sort of uh, your, your thoughts on M&A over the year ahead or beyond? Sure. I think that, um, you know, as, as we said, M&A for me is, um, is a tool, uh, you know, to get to the right uh, portfolio. And we felt that in 2020, we had these, uh, those opportunities with the Semafo acquisition and the Teranga acquisition uh, to rebalance nicely our portfolio for the future. Um, we have now, you know, the size, 1.5 million ounce yearly production. More importantly for me, we have this, you know, strong focus, geographical focus in West Africa. But at the same time, we are now well diversified over several countries and several assets. So I do feel that we have now uh, in hand uh, all the right uh, assets uh, in, our, in our portfolio. And given the success that um, we've gone through in terms of exploration and the quality of the organic growth pipeline that we have, uh, I don't see the use in the future for M&A. So this is why I've been insisting. You know, there are some uh, windows where M&A can be uh, an attractive tool to get to the right portfolio. I do think that we have now the right portfolio and that the future for Endeavor will be on the organic growth uh, in, um, in West Africa. Okay, great. Thank you for that. That's all from you, gentlemen. Yeah, Thank okay. you, Don. Your next question comes from the line of Anita Sani from CIBC World Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Good morning. Um, this question, I'm not sure if it's Sebastian can answer it or maybe Joanna or Mark. I'm not sure. But I just wanted to go through the purchase price allocation um, calculation that's in the integrated MDNA and um, financial statement. So this is with respect to Semifo. I see the mining interest went down by approximately a little over 10%. Um, you have outlined your key assumptions, but you haven't shown what they were previously on the preliminary uh, number. Can you just tell me what key change drove that 10% uh, reduction? I, I guess I'm drilling in at the, the depletion expenses lower than I was looking for uh, substantially, and there were some restatements for Q3 and Q4. And, and then the second part of that question would be, could we expect something similar once the Taranga um, acquisition closes? So not necessarily on the first set of financials, but when would we expect to see the final uh, purchase price allocation for that? Sure. Jo Joanna, you want to take this one? Yeah, Anita, uh, happy to take this uh, offline and we can provide more details, but just on an overall basis, the purchase price adjustments from Q4 relative to Q3 just reflect revisions to the mine plans that were undertaken in the fourth quarter based on our better understanding of the operations subsequent to the acquisition. On a mine-by-mine -mine basis overall, the valuations are relatively consistent with the preliminary valuation at Q3. There's not really any substantial differences. Um, however, we did just reclassify that amount 
the valuation difference to goodwill in Q4 rather than reflecting it in the mining interest, which we've done previously. And I'm, I'm happy to discuss that with you more offline to provide a little bit more detail. Uh, okay, that's, um, all right. So I, I guess I'm just trying to figure out why you had to move something from the mining interest to the, to the goodwill um, in which one. I, I can see these assumptions and I see obviously you've done the mine plan again. I'm just trying to understand which one yeah, of these I mean, parameters is different from yeah. the original. So, yeah. And we, we can take it offline, but essentially it's just the, the recognition of the difference from the deferred tax calculation, which is an accounting accounting rule, which we reflected it in goodwill rather than the mining interest. But there, there's no real impact on the overall valuation of the mine assets themselves. So, But I'm happy to chat with you offline to provide some more detail. There are different. There, are, I can see that there's, you know, there's deferred tax of 24 million. But I'm trying to drive at this 150. So yes, let's take it offline. And the okay. second part of the question, second part of the question was similarly on the Taranga transaction. Would that be with the audited financials, or will the Q1 um, financial statements, uh, when this is all, like when you guys put out the Q1 financials and this is closed, will that reflect the true purchase price allocation, or should we have to wait till the next set of audited financials next year? We'll be looking at the SEMIFO uh, purchase price allocation again in Q1 to reflect any changes in the Q1 statements. And then for the Taranga acquisition, we will have a preliminary purchase price allocation in the Q1 financial statements. And uh, we'll then, we have 12 months then to finalize that after the acquisition. So we'll then work on that after that. But we will have a preliminary allocation in the Q1 statements in May. Okay, thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Carrie McCurry from Canacord Janity. Please go ahead, your line is open. Hey, good morning, everyone. Just a question on the Masawa Phase 2 study. Are there any significant changes you're expecting there relative to what Taranga had laid out in terms of the, the configuration? And secondly, you know, where, do you see, where, where, where would you see potential upside opportunities at, at Masawa? Sure, Mark. I mean, you want to uh, talk about this? Yeah, so um, there was a number of um, trade-off studies that uh, Taranga had uh, initiated that we're just going through the process of concluding, and there's certainly no surprises so far. And, and if anything, some of the um, trade-off studies were more just to confirm um, in case um, you know, there was a thought that perhaps something wasn't being considered. So, so far, everything's um, tracking quite well in terms of what um, Taranga had thought and, and certainly what we're seeing. In the flow sheet, I think we are still looking at adding a gravity circuit, uh, which should help um, increasing a bit the recoveries. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, beyond that, uh, so far, I mean, no, uh, no big changes. And the other piece, um, we are there is more ex um, oxide, and um, you know, the, the obviously the exploration efforts for this year is very, very important, just to give us that flexibility as well. Yeah, just to properly size the, uh, the, the biox plant. Okay, great. And then maybe back on the project pipeline, you know, again, it looks like Feta Crow is at the front of the line here, but looking at the other projects you picked up from Semifo and, you know, obviously FEMA and uh, Golden Hill, you know, from Taranga, you know, which one of these would you, could, would, would you say are more advanced and, you know, are there any timelines on, you know, are some of these at more of the front of the line than some of the other ones that potentially could come ahead of Kalana? 
Well, I think that you know we we blessed with the uh, the size of that pipeline. Uh, so uh, you know we'll go through the studies you know step by step. Obviously, uh, you know we're not going to build uh, four projects in parallel. Uh, and uh, you know 2022 will probably be focused on the uh, phase two of Sabalamasawa and probably uh, Fedecro. Uh, also, we'll wait for the final results of both DFS between Kalana and uh, and Fedecro. And in parallel, we are preparing the next um, the next projects. We'll have a go at uh, looking at the uh, potential integration of uh, Golden Hill into uh, into Hyundai. Uh, so uh, there will be a bit of drilling and, uh, and med test uh, uh, later uh, to assess this. And I think Ben 2 is progressing well in terms of uh, you know obviously size. We've got uh, you know close to 2.3 million ounces of inferred resources there. Uh, so uh, we'll continue to uh, you know to work uh, on uh, on those uh, on those subjects. Uh, and and I think that. Uh, uh, as we mentioned earlier in the call, AFEMA, Afema is also, uh, you know, an important one. Um, yeah, so uh, you know, we're progressing step by step. You know, each of the, uh, you know, key key potential future projects that uh, that we have in the pipeline. Great, thank you very much. Yeah, next question comes from the line of Lawson Windows from Bank of Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi, thank you, operator, and hello, Sebastian and team. Um, could I? I'd like to start with a question uh, on your uh, growth outlook, and um, maybe I'm sort of jumping ahead of your uh, capital markets day here. But if you look out five years and, and think about your production, do you see your objective as maintaining 1.5 million ounces a year, or do you see your objective as growing that production level? Well, it's, a, it's a fair question, and I think that I you know respond to part of that during our capital day. Um, I'm not driven by you know production size, uh, and, and this is why you know we've been uh, you know continuing to uh, on a regular basis divest uh, what I would call non-core assets. And uh, you know if we wanted to be a two million ounce you know gold producer, we would be by keeping you know the assets that we had already in the pipeline uh, in the uh, in the existing portfolio. Uh, but for me, it's about maintaining consistency around the quality of those uh, assets uh, with mine lives and with low all-in sustaining cost. Uh, we clearly have the potential in the portfolio to continue to grow production going forward. Uh, so we're starting with a strong base with this uh, 1.4, 1.5 million ounce. And, uh, and obviously, given the, uh, the, the, the strength of the pipeline, we have the ability to, uh, you know, to continue to grow beyond. Great. Um, and uh, just touching on something you mentioned there about uh, adjusting the portfolio, you mentioned that Karma is now uh, non-core. Just curious, has the sale pro process started, and can you provide any commentary on how that uh, has perhaps gone to date? The, the the good thing in uh, you know most of the assets that we've divested in the past is that uh, we didn't necessarily have to go through uh, a dedicated uh, process because we were in fact approached by uh, each time by several uh, candidates uh, buyers uh, so um, I think that uh, we've made enough uh, clear uh, to the market that Karma was uh, was non-core uh, we've been approached already by you know several potential buyers um, you know we are reviewing. You know the different options, and uh, we know that uh, uh, if we are able to meet uh, the criteria that we want, we'll proceed. If not, you know we're happy. I mean to continue to uh, enjoy the cash flow from uh, from Karma. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and, and then just also on karma, I mean, I imagine that um, the the stream on karma is partly what plays into the uh, the lower return. Have, have there been any discussions around how that stream looks going forward or perhaps the need to adjust it for uh, any buyer to get comfortable with a price that you guys are happy with? So the the, um, the karma stream is in fact uh, um, decreasing significantly uh, in March uh, this year. Um, so we, you know, at the end of the uh, of the big uh, uh, the, the big cost uh, because we'll now go below uh, below five percent. Uh, so uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty uh, it's becoming, I would say, attractive, you know, for a, a buyer. I mean, to step in uh, to step in now. Um, I think the the returns, uh, as you pointed out, is partly uh, the uh, uh, the stream, but it also, if you recall, I mean, significant capex that we had to put uh, on the plant, uh, you know, to uh, uh, get the plant right from uh, from the initial true gold design. Uh, so overall, this had a, an impact on on the capital allocated to uh, to Karma. Yeah, good point, uh, and well taken. And then um, maybe just on uh, the capital return, uh, I think the buyback makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, cer- certainly agree with your comments that on a risk-adjusted basis, it, uh, it it's a very competitive return. And I guess my question would be, you know, why not maximize the buyback? I, I think with the TSX, you can go up to 10% on an annualized basis. <laughs> um it's 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 interesting to see that uh, when you start, I mean, to generate good cash flow and have a good balance sheet, that uh, you know you suddenly have um, requests for uh, uh, very high dividend yield and and or and sometimes and uh, very high buybacks. So I think we're just trying to be realistic on uh, you know what we can do. Uh, you know this is a 12-month program, which means that uh, you know we can renew those programs you know going forward. Uh, and we can uh, always request uh, an increase in that program, you know, next year. Uh, but we need also to be realistic to ensure that uh, we can properly allocate the cash flow that we will be generating, uh, both to uh, exploration of future projects and maintain this healthy dividend yield that uh, you know we've set up, and at the same time being opportunistic on the uh, on the buyback, uh, depending on where our share price is. And and, and clearly, you know, there is uh, the sense that. Um, now is a good time for uh, you know for a buyback, given uh, where our share price stands. And it would be uh, would it be fair for um, for myself and and uh, other investors uh, or investors rather to assume that at a five percent level, that buyback is likely to be uh, fully used over the next twelve months. I think it's uh, it's difficult to comment uh, because uh, it will depend on how you know the share price, gold price, you know, will evolve over the next uh, uh, the next nine months. But uh, you know the reason why we said five percent is because we believe that it's realistic. Uh, you know, we've seen in in Canada, looking at all the precedents, there's been I think a lot of companies announcing buyback at five percent or ten percent, and in reality executing only twenty percent of their envelope. So um, I think that, uh, you know, we wanted to be realistic and, and make sure that, uh, uh, you know, market expectations, you know, are around, uh, you know, commitments that, uh, that we do and that, um, and that, and that we, we, we make uh, rather than, uh, you know, putting high numbers and, uh, and getting people disappointed because uh, we're not executing along, uh, along those lines. So uh, I think 5% is a good start, is realistic, 
uh, and uh, you know clearly now is a good opportunity in terms of uh, of timing and uh, and we'll see you know how it works you know uh, after the listing uh, we would be expecting you know strong demand as part of the listing going forward uh, so um, you know we'll see how the second half of the year will work uh, you know for uh, for further um, uh, further buybacks yeah those that that makes a lot of sense um, and now just continuing on um, uh, capital returns with the dividend uh, the release mentioned that the La Mancha um, transaction will close in, in Q1 so you know mathematically you will have obtained and exceeded your 250 million dollar net cash position once that closes so um, with, with that just on the horizon um, I imagine you've thought quite a bit about future dividend levels can you provide us any guidance in terms of what gold price you you may be using in terms of thinking about setting a dividend uh, first of all, and then as a follow-up to that, um, w when you think about a, a future dividend um, and a potentially higher dividend, do you do you think about setting a dividend at a level that can be maintained over the long term, or could we expect a, some variability in the dividend? Sure. So I think there, there are a few elements in, uh, in 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 your comment. First, the um, uh, we're expecting, I mean, soon to receive the 200 million dollars uh, investment from uh, from La Mancha as part of the closing of the Teranga transaction. But but recall also that uh, you know we're taking over a um, bit more than uh, 370, I think, million dollars of uh, of debt um, from, uh, from Teranga. Uh, so this has an impact. I mean, compared to the year-end results balance sheet, uh, which is uh, you know uh, impacting it. But given the strong cash flow that we are expecting, you know, and depending on gold price, you know, we we aim to get you know quickly to this uh, 250 million dollars net cash uh, net cash position. As part of the listing, what we said is that, and this will be highlighted in our capital day. Um, we, we are looking at a, a capital allocation strategy uh, that we are discussing, uh, you know, with the board. And I think that this capital allocation strategy will give, you know, better visibility on how we intend going forward uh, to, um, uh, to allocate uh, the, uh, uh, the company's cash flow uh, between uh, organic growth and, uh, and, and instruments for returning value to, uh, to shareholders, uh, including, you know, potential uh, uh, more um, directed, I would say, policies around, uh, you know, free cash flow, uh, which is distributed, percentage of free cash flow distributed to shareholders and so on. Um, gold price is obviously, uh, you know, a big driver into that. Uh, but, uh, you know, the good thing with the quality of the portfolio that we have is that, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, 1400 1500 or above, you know, we, we're still generating uh, pretty strong cash flow that gives us confidence, and this is why we came out, you know, at the end of Q3 with this dividend policy, gives us confidence that, uh, you know, whatever the uh, gold cycle, we should be able to, uh, to maintain a, a healthy uh, return policy to, uh, to shareholders, and at the same time be able to finance uh, our organic growth. And you'd expect that return policy, policy to be like a, a stable dividend, so once set, it would likely remain at that level or higher going forward? Yeah, exactly. I mean, what we said is um, we want uh, to keep a minimum of, uh, you know, 1.6% yield. Um, that was based on the, uh, on the share price when we, when we issued the first uh, dividend payment. I think it's uh, equivalent to about 1.8% dividend yield today at current share price. 
So the uh, the intention is to have a minimum, you know, going forward, a dividend yield which is minimum equivalent to this one, and uh, and gro growing progressively as we um, as we pile up cash on the uh, on the balance sheet. Great, and maybe just one more for me on the uh, pipeline, um, and thank you for that chart on all the uh, the, the projects, the greenfields through to uh, the existing assets. It's very helpful to uh, visualize what you have in the pipeline, which. Yeah, of course, it's very robust. Um, Nabanga is one that jumps out for me just because it's, uh, as it exists today, it, it is rather small and its size hasn't grown much um, in, in several years now. I'm just curious, if, if, do you still look at that asset as as core and uh, what do you see as um, potential exploration upside there? Sure. I think the, the, the reality around the banga is that um, you know Semafo hasn't done any any work around the banga for the last uh, you know 18 months. Um, from a security uh, standpoint, uh, Nabanga is not in the easiest part of uh, of Burkina, um, so this is why it hasn't been uh, you know a priority. Our priority was Bungu, uh, but uh, you know we hope to be able to uh, you know include Nabanga in our exploration uh, program, uh, probably in the second half of the year or in 2022. And as you said, I mean, it's starting with, uh, you know, pretty attractive numbers because you've got uh, 800,000 ounces at, uh, you know, seven grams per ton plus. Uh, so uh, it's, uh, you know, it's an interesting uh, starting point, I mean, to look at, uh, at an asset. Uh, so, uh, you know, Patrick and his team needs uh, now to, uh, to be able to, uh, you know, complete uh, another set of drilling program to see the potential of uh, of this uh, of this asset. Yeah, no, I can't disagree. Those are certainly very exciting grades. Okay, uh, that's it for me. Uh, thank you so much for taking the question, Sebastian, and um, I look forward to our next uh, discussion. Great, thank you, Lawson. Yeah, our next question comes from the line of Mark Bensley from Shasok. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Good afternoon, uh, Sebastian and, uh, and the rest of the team. Uh, first of all, let me congratulate you on a fantastic year for your shareholders. Um, delighted with, with what you've achieved. Uh, I do have a number of questions, if I may. So first of all, uh, in 2016, you published a five-year exploration plan, which is coming to completion this year. Will you be publishing another similar plan? And if so, roughly when? Uh -huh. That's a good, uh, a good question for Patrick that has been a bit on the grilled on, uh, on this. Um, you know, we said that uh, obviously with all the changes in the portfolio uh, and as we are getting, you know, into the, uh, into the last year of our first exploration strategic plan, uh, it would be, uh, you know, nice, I mean, to have this uh, second exploration strategic plan that will include uh, the new assets uh, from Semafo and Teranga. So I would expect that uh, you know to be probably as part of our you know Q3, uh, so probably in September or October, um, we will have you know a way to present uh, probably the conclusion of our first exploration strategic plan, and uh, you know this will give time you know between now and, and September October uh, for Patrick's team to uh, you know assess all the different you know opportunities in uh, in both the Semafo and the Teranga portfolio. Um, Patrick, is there is there more you want to say on on, on this? Uh, no, no, thank you, Sebastian. No, basically we 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 consider more or less now that we have completed a little bit ahead of uh, schedule uh, what we wanted to do 
uh, what on what uh, was uh, basically uh, back in 2016 the uh, exploration portfolio of Endeavor. Uh, on this uh, portfolio, we have been delivering almost 8.5 million ounces, so we are very close to the target, and the remaining year should be okay. Uh, right now, I'm working uh, with uh, my team, you know, into integrating all the upside potential we were seeing on Semafo uh, upside, and uh, the main activity right now is uh, dedicated to uh, incorporating Teranga stuff. So uh, when you look at that, you know, as Sebastian said, we plan to publish or to speak, you know, uh, either at end of first uh, semester or uh, during Q3, the new strategic exploration plan that will be built with more or less the same approach than the one I used uh, four years ago when I uh, built uh, the former exploration strategic plan. Very good. Uh, there's certainly a, a plethora of targets to, to prioritize now. Um, next question relates to the recently published um, feasibility studies for FETICRO and Kalana. Um, looking at those, uh, FETICRO looks pretty much ready to go, subject to the, the DFS. Uh, Kalana, on the other hand, um, I noticed that production would drop off after the first few years. Would you anticipate uh, needing to do more exploration, prove up more resources at Kalana before uh, potentially moving ahead with that project? Exactly, uh, Mark, that's, um, that's the objective. I mean, we always, uh, you know, we're interested by, you know, Kalana in particular because of the uh, prospectivity uh, of, uh, of Kalana. There is a pretty large land package in particular on all the south part which hasn't been uh, drilled uh, yet. Obviously, Patrick's team have been quite busy in uh, focusing over the last uh, a uh, few years, I would say, in expanding mine lives at existing core assets. Uh, now that FEDECRO seems to be you know, on track uh, to become, I would say, an Endeavor-type project, uh, this will probably give more focus uh, you know, down the road for you know, a bit more uh, Kalana exploration drilling campaigns. Um, in particular, uh, you know, once we will have a sense that uh, you know, FEDECRO will go first, uh, because uh, we're not going to launch you know, three construction you know, in parallel, uh, that means that uh, you know we'll have a bit more time on Kalana to uh, start increasing uh, the uh, the resources there and and hopefully get it you know closer to um, what I would call a, an endeavor type project uh, with uh, above 200,000 ounce annual production. So clearly the intention is um, you know to be able to progressively uh, increase some exploration there. Good, thank you. Uh, next question relates to to financing. Uh, now we're, we're in a, a net cash position. The convertible bond was, was a very good instrument for, for the company when it was issued, but it seems to me that maybe it's now outlived its usefulness. Uh, can it be redeemed early? Um, uh, and if so, is that something uh, that the board is thinking about doing? Yeah, completely, Mark. I mean, we, uh, you know, we said um, when we uh, uh, when we came out with this convertible bond that uh, uh, this was a way to, uh, you know, finance our construction phase, and that on the back of the cash flow expected from uh, the assets once uh, once built and commissioned, we would be in a position to analyze, you know, a, a trade-off, and uh, and in particular having the flexibility to buy back uh, the bond. So we have the capacity. 
uh, in our convert uh, to uh, um, uh, to buy back uh, the bond and to and to basically redeem in in cash shares or cash and shares. Um, we uh, objectively, I must say that uh, you know we looked as part of the buyback you know that we announced today. We looked also at uh, alternative scenarios in you know in buying back you know the, some of the converts. Uh, clearly, in terms of returns, uh, buying back shares had uh, you know much much bigger returns. Uh, so this is why we came out uh, this morning with the um, uh, share buyback approach. Uh, but we still have the flexibility uh, going forward to. Uh, uh, call the bond uh, when we want. Uh, so I think this is we this is something that we're monitoring, and this is part of our you know capital allocation strategy. Uh, you know, as a shareholder myself, you know, uh, if I can avoid uh, you know the dilution of the um, of the convert, you know, great. In particular, as we continue to grow, you know, the uh, the strength of our of our balance sheet. So I fully I fully agree with you, and that's on the radar for us, you know, to monitor over the coming months. Good, thank you. Uh, I mean, a couple of concerns I have about the, the bond at the moment are, uh, firstly, that uh, the conversion option that's embedded in it tends to distort earnings as the share price moves a little bit, uh, and also that some of the bondholders seem to be operating delta hedging strategies, which could affect the share price. So it would be nice, in my eyes, to, to get rid of it to remove those distorting factors. But uh, as you say, if, if you estimate that, that re, re, buying shares back is uh, more shareholder value additive, then, uh, then so be it. Thank you. Um, then uh, penultimate question. Uh, with the phase one um, expansion of Sabodala Masawa, um, we're adding 900,000, sorry, 90,000 ounces of production. Uh, would that mean that from 2022 onwards we would expect production from, from that asset in the region of 400,000 ounces? Is that correct? No, so the, the, um, uh, the expansion of, uh, I mean, the phase one, which is debottlenecking the back end of the CIL, allows to um, basically increase on a quarterly basis from 75 to 90,000 ounces uh, in terms of production. Um, so uh, we'll see obviously the full impact uh, of this uh, of this growth in in 22, given that uh, you know we're expecting to have this phase one commission you know um, across Q3 uh, yeah. with a full impact in uh, in Q4, and uh, and therefore you know Q4 will be a, a good uh, proxy for uh, what to expect uh, for uh, 2022. Um, if we look at uh, you know 90,000 ounces you know, per quarter, uh, that would leave um, Sabadola Masawa you know probably around 360 to uh, 370,000 ounces for 22. Thank you. Uh, and then my final question is is on an ESG matter, uh, which is uh, most of the operations are, are open pit, which uh, is rather an, an ugly mining method. What, what are your thoughts and rough plans on, on rehabilitation of the open pits when mined out? Want to, um, to comment? Well, generally, I mean, one of the things that, you know, it, it, it can be an interesting question whereby it does make sense if you can to backfill pits, whereas there's also a reluctance, and in particular sometimes from 
government to backfill pits um, on the basis that you could be sterilising a future resource. So we make sure if we are going to do a backfill strategy that we really have done the work at you know like a $2,000 gold price. So we do have examples um, at Agbao we backfilled some pits, um, even at Wanyon some of the, the tiny little pits are backfilled. So if it, if it makes sense we will always um, look at backfilling pits because that is the, the neatest way to sort of put back what you've done. But obviously doing that you would never do it as a deliberate strategy because you're rehandling the entire the waste twice. Um, it is it is a tricky one. We generally do rehabilitate waste dumps. We generally put buns around pits and allow pits to fill up with water. They do become good water sources um, for those areas. Um, I, you know, one thing that I've done in Western Australia, which we haven't necessarily looked at yet here, is being able to put um, tailings into pits. But that really looks at um, it depends on water tables and, and many other things. So. Um, you know, anything that you can utilise to, to sort of fill back up that volume and not um, disturb more land mass is obviously something that um, we, we do look at and, and we can probably uh, look at a few further options um, as time progresses. Very good. Thank, thank you very much for all those answers. That's very useful. That will conclude today's Q&A session. I would now like to turn the call back to Martino Di Ciccio for any additional opening remarks. As there are no more questions, we will now finish the call. I will, of course, remain available to address any additional questions offline. Have a good day and stay safe. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.